Okay, so we're back with the Talmud Initiative. We are on uh, Brachos Gimlomad Base 3B. We are about to start the Gemara, Tan Rabbanan, Arba Mishmaros Havi Alayla, which is a discussion of how many Mishmaros there are each night. So Tan Rabbanan. Arba Mishmaros Havi Alayla, there are four Mishmaros at night. Divrei Rabbi, this is the opinion of Rabbi. Rabbi Nasan Amr, Rabbi Nasan says, there are three Mishmaros each night. <clears throat> my time with the Reb Nassan. So what is the reason for Reb Nassan, or more accurately in this case, what is the source of Reb Nassan? It says, So this is a verse in Nach and Shoftim, and it says, And Gidon and the hundred men who were with him, they came to the to the edge of the camp, Rosh HaAshmura HaTichona. At the beginning of the middle watch, Tana ain't Tichona, Ela Sheyesh Lefana Whenever we see the term Tichona in Nach, it implies that there is something before it and after it. It's a middle watch. But the implication over here is that it's either odd or, uh, you know, or three, meaning to say that there's an even number of things before and after. And this is the middle one, which if you have an even number of watches like Rabbi, right, the term middle doesn't apply as well. The Rabbi, my Tichona, so if we weren't Rabbi, what's the word Tichona? Achas min ha Tichona, Shema Tichona, it's referring to one of the two middle ones, which means that he's not taking this as sharply and saying that, you know, well, even though it says the middle one, right, it's not referring to one, but there are actually two middle watches and it's one of them. Rabbi Nassan miksev tichona shebetichona. And to this, Rabbi Nassan replies that the text does not imply this way because it says that you know it says it, it doesn't say the one of the middle of the middle ones. It just says the middle one, implying there is only one. My time of the Rabbi. So why is Rabbi motivated to say there are four? Amar Bzrika, Amar Abami, Rabbi Shulban Levi, Kasev Echad, Rabbi Merchatzay, Slail Akam Mohedes Chamish Pateisat Kecha. This is referring to King David. So in one verse it says. That during midnight I I I uh, woke up to or I or I rise to uh, offer you praise and offer you thanks for your righteous laws. And there's another verse, Kidmu that my eyes kind of preempt or forestall the the watches, right? So the implication is that he wakes up both in the middle of the night and that he, when he wakes up, it's before, right, you know, Ashmuros, multiple watches. So how could midnight, midnight, according if he only hold that there are three Mishmaros, so midnight is in the middle of the second one. So there's only one more Mishmar left. So the, plura, so, so the plural nature of the word Ashmuros doesn't make sense. So therefore, Kidmu Enei Ashmuros is referring to, to both. Um, so it's referring to two and the implication that there are two. Okay, Tzad, how, how, what does it mean there are two? Arba Mishmaros Havia we see from here that there were, that there were four Mishmaros. Rabbi Nasan Sabra Lake, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi, Rabbi Nasan follows the opinion of Rabbi Nasan Sabra Lake, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Nasan follows the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. Dechsev, as it's written, uh, Ad Shaloshaos, that you have to, that, that you can say, which this is for later, where how long can one recite the morning Shema? 
It says, Ad Shalashaus until three hours. Shekain Darach Malachim La'amod B'Shalashaus is the way of kings to wake up, you know, three hours into the day. So, Sheis Delayla Vetarti Diyamama Havalushte Mishmar. So, if you combine the six of the night, right, and meaning that there are six from midnight until daybreak, there are, there are six hours. And then uh, you add to that the, the uh, three hours of the day. Sorry, two hours of a day. So this will give you a total of eight, which if you divide the night into three mishmars, that means each mishmar is four hours. So if you have eight, so it was a time span of two hours. Sorry, it was a time span of two mishmars because David woke up eight hours before kings tend to tend to wake up, which is at the beginning of the third hour. So he kind of had eight hours less sleep, which is the equivalent of two mishmaros, which is two thirds of the night. Now, the Pnei Shua points out that actually what it says over there, it doesn't say, Atchilas HaAshmur Rishona, right? Until, sorry, Atchilas Shaloshaos, meaning until the beginning of three hours. If you look at Rabbi Yoshua in the Mishnah, actually he writes until the end of three hours. So it shouldn't have been eight. According to this, it should have been nine. So he says that, that uh, you know, they're... they're um, that the third hour itself, the Pnei Shua wants to say, is actually talking about the B'nai Malachim, the princes, the lazy people, but the kings and regular people wake up an hour earlier, and therefore, you know, so counting that last hour, which as we say in Yiddish, only the Leidegeir sleep, would not be a major praise for David. So that's why it's only eight hours. Okay. Rabashi Amar Rabashi says, he says just a much more simple answer, Mishmara Upalga, right? Uh, Mishmaros Karaluhu. That even according to, to Rabbi Nason, since it's a mish, Mishmar and a half, because remember, midnight and then, which is half a Mishmar from midnight until the end of that Mishmar, and then the last Mishmar. So you can also use plural language for a Mishmar of a Chetzi, is also called Mishmaros. Okay. V'amar Rabbi Zrika, Amar Rabbi Ami, Amar Rabbi Shul ben Levi. Oh, so now we have a new halacha. Um, and this is another halacha we have from Rebbe Zerika, Rebbe Zerika. And uh, Rebbe Zerika says like this, Amar Rebbe Zerika, Amar Rebbe Amir, Rebbe Shul ben Levi, ain't Omer b'fnei hames, ela dvar of shames. That in front of a person who has died, one should only talk about things that are related to this person. So a eulogy or stories or discussions about this person. Uh, the Gemara says, Amar, 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 Abba Bar Kahana, Bar Bar Kahana said, Loi Amran Ela Torah, that we're only referring to Divrei Torah, meaning that one should not speak Divrei Torah in front of a mess unless it, it's a teaching of this particular person who passed away. But one should not talk about, you know, other Divrei Torah in front of somebody who passed away. But he can talk about general topics that are not Divrei Torah in front of a mace. And the reason it has to do with the general principle of what's called low egg uh, larash. There's this an idea that people who have passed away still have an awareness of what goes on around them. And therefore, one should not talk to every Torah because since they are no longer commanded in Talmud Torah, this would make them, this would cause them pain because they are seeing mitzvahs observed and they could no longer do so. And low egg larash means laughing at a poor person. Vika da Amri, there's another view. So, no, the other view over here is that actually 
Um, this is referring to even that not only uh, to Divrei Torah, but it's coming to say that, Divrei Torah, that even Divrei Torah you can't speak in front of a dead person, but definitely Mili da Alma, a random conversation one should not have in front of a dead person because this is disrespectful. When you're in his presence, you should show, him, show the, 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 the person who passed away respect by only talking about things that are related to this. Um, so Rashi says, so Taisva says over here, Tosis brings down from the Rift, Taisva says, the Reb Alphys Paskin said halacha, right, according to the view of Reb Hai, that Hai Dafka Divrei Torah, Vemili Da'am Aleslamba, Vedafka Ba'arba Amo Shalom. That the Riff, you know, in the name of Reb Hai, Paskin with the opinion that says that it's only talking about Divrei Torah, that one cannot speak Divrei Torah and not Mili Da'ama. So, so random things you are allowed to talk about. But Divrei Torah you can, according to the first view of the Gemara. And this is only within a Arba Amos of the Mace. You have to be specifically within Arba Amos of, of, the, of the person who died. In Shulchan Aruch, in Yeridea, in uh, Shin Mem Dalet, it says, You cannot talk, you, you shouldn't speak in front of someone who passed away, only the words of the Mess. Kegon Sarchek Furaso Vehaspid Avashar called Dadavar Asar Vehani Mili Bedivre Torah Avo Bemili Amaleslamba. So the Shokanar Paskin, similar to what Tosfis brought from Rabhai, that this is only, 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 only in context. Um, sorry, this is only referring to Divre Torah, but random conversation one is allowed to have in front of somebody who passed away, and it's not considered to be Bizayan Hamas. Now the Gemara continues with the discussion of midnight, and since it mentioned David and David waking up, it's now going to talk about David's nocturnal habits. The David Did David wake up in the middle of the night? Right? He rose, he was up in the evening, meaning he must have gone to sleep right after nightfall, and he woke up pretty soon afterwards. Right? Why? I woke up with the Neshef, which we're assuming is nightfall and I and I cried which is a language of prayer or how do we know the Neshef is referring to evening it's written in Mishle in in the Neshef in in the evening of the day in the blackness of the night and the darkness so the implication is that the evening of the day and um, is is uh, is that that that, that Nashef is considered to be to be evening. So over here we have we have an indication that the word Nashef is referring to to evening, and this implies that David did not wake up at midnight, but David actually was up earlier. This is what it's referring to. That what David meant to say was not that he wakes up at midnight, but that midnight had never passed while he was sleeping. And generally speaking, he woke up with Nashef, but even if he overslept that area, he never he never slept past past midnight. Until midnight, he would doze like a horse. Right? I'm presuming that a horse uh, doesn't sleep fully. It just dozes from time to time. This is a fact that uh, if I had patience, I would Google, but I don't. 
Mikan Kari from from here on he would strengthen himself like a lion and he would awaken and 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 pray. Rabashi Yom Rabashi said that until midnight he would study Torah. And from then on, into the depth of the night, he would engage in songs and praises. So what's interesting over here is that you'll notice that the language that was used earlier, the language that was used was um, that he would that he would cry, right? Which was considered to be considered to be um, you know, a form of prayer, right? You know, uh, 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 that language of Ashaveya as a form of prayer. So over here, they're interpreting it to be Divrei Torah, the study of Torah, and you have to understand how those two things make sense. I don't, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit challenging to understand why, um, why, why this would be true, right? Why they would be considered to be similar. So one one possible approach, if 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 I can delve into Divrei Chasidus for a moment, is that in Divrei Chasidus they write that what's going on over here is that uh, there's this idea that David really wanted to sing Shiros versus Bachos Hashem, but he was afraid of the impact of the Sitra Achor of the Satan, and the Satan is strong in the middle of the night, but by Chatzos Halayla is considered to be a special time of Rachamim, and therefore. Um, so the Arve Nachal, so it's a Chassid Shesefer, he writes, why did David only sing Shir Spetsch Bachos after Chatzos? was because before that he was scared, and therefore he wasn't able to verbalize it, and only after Chatzos, when there became this Ace Rachamim, this time of mercy that happens at midnight, David was able to verbalize it. So if I can just add a small Litvisha twist, it's famous, it says, in Gimma, it says that, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, Barasi Yetzahara, Barasi Torah Tavlin. That Torah is an antidote to the Yitzhahara. And it also was written in Nitzavim, right? Kisphilius has Shira Hazos. According to Rashi and other opinions, Shira Hazos, Shira is referring to Torah. That the study of the Torah is in itself a Shira. So it's possible that the reason why David would be Osik by Torah until Chatzos was because this was the thing he was, you know, he wanted to say Shiros Vishes Bachos, but he had to do them in the form of Talmud Torah. In order to counteract the effects of the Sitra Achra. And it's only after Chatzos that he felt confident to do them in a naked way without relying on the on the on the protection of of Talmud Torah. And the reason why the language of Ashaveya is because the crying Ashaveya is what one does out of fear and out of desperation. And since he was studying Torah out of his fear of, of the Yitzhahara, that's potentially why it was considered this form of uh, Osik Batora was Ashaveh. Okay, just my thought. Take it or leave it. V'neshef um, or to who the Gemara continues that Neshef is the Gemara again questions does Neshef really mean evening? Ha Neshef tatzafrahu. But I have a source that Neshef actually means morning. Dixiv. Vayakim David mehan Neshef ad ha'erev lemacharasam. So it says in Shmuel that David slaughtered them mehan Neshef ad ha'erev from the Neshef until the evening. Lemacharasam of the next day. My love meets Afrav Adalila. Doesn't this mean from the morning until the night? Mar says, no, maybe it means that he started in one evening, lo be orta vad orta, from evening until evening. It should say from Neshef until Neshef. Why would the, the Pasuk switch words in the middle? 
It should say it should it should say either either or. So the Gemara says, "Trey nishvei havu neshaf laila beasi yamama neshaf yamama beasi laila." So Rava says there are two times that could be referred to as neshaf. It's either referring to the night moves past where uh, neshaf is the Aramaic word for movement or transition. So the night moves past and the day arrives, and the day moves past and the night arrives. So the implication over here is that. Um, uh, neshaf or neshaf is really referring to a moment of transition, of change, uh, and therefore that can be referring to either morning or evening. Now the Gemara deals with another problem. The Gemara wants to know, Vidavid How did David know exactly when it's midnight? Right, because David says at midnight I I, I rise. How does David know what when is midnight? We know that Moshe Rabbeinu was not able to ascertain definitively when is midnight. That I go out in Mitzrayim, uh, right, like or around, you know, midnight. Moshe told the Mitzrayim that the Maka will happen around midnight. So Moshe was not able to point specifically to any indicator for when was exactly midnight. How was Moshe? How was how was David able to do right? If we want to say that it was Hashem who told Moshe to use the language of kachatzos, does Hashem not really know when half when midnight is? Presumably, he knows a lot more interesting things like that than that. Ella, rather, the Amrle he said bachatzos in the night, right? So the Gemara says, right, that that from the fact that Shlomo, that Moshe, I'm sorry, used the language of Kachatzos implies he didn't know. So if Moshe didn't know, how did David know? So the Pnei Yeshua over here, when he's discussing this part of the of the of the Gemara, the, the Pnei Yeshua I think points out a couple of very interesting things. He says, um. Uh, that really this question is very difficult because if you recall earlier we had one explanation that was trying to resolve this contradiction between David uh, in the we know woke up in the evening and David woke up at midnight one was that he never allowed midnight to pass without while he was asleep so in this case when David says I woke up in the middle of the night he doesn't mean exactly at midnight he means he was up by midnight so he could have you know given himself you know to to make some people in the show happy here some some large epsilon neighborhood, right? I probably shouldn't use that that word, but some you know significant you know barrier, significant bound that would allow him to ensure that he was up by midnight. So the Pnei says, indeed, according to that explanation of the Gemara, uh, this question is not relevant. It's only asking on the last opinion that says that David woke up at exactly midnight. And the Pnei Shua points out also we had earlier on Gimel Amud Aleph. That Rabbi Eliezer said that one of the indicators of midnight is when dogs bark. So therefore, uh, this seems to be a valid indicator of when midnight is. So this could have been when Davin knew. How, how Davin knew? I, why didn't Moshe know? So if you recall, when the Jews left Egypt, it says, Lo yacharatz karav lishono, that no dogs barked. So therefore, you know, Moshe could not have used that sign as an indicator because the dogs were quiet in Egypt at that, at that moment. But David could have, so therefore this question would not have been difficult according to that view as well. Therefore, the Gemara is really asking a very narrow question on the opinion that says we take uh, midnight very literally. 
So the Gemara says as follows: David Simana Havale. David had an indicator. What was the indicator? What was the, what was his semen? There was a, a, a harp that hung, that was hanging above the bed of David. When it became midnight, the, the northern wind would come and it would cause the harp or the, or the, or the lar to play and this music would wake David up. Um, once, so we'll, we'll get to the next part of the Gemara in a second. So, so the way David knew was from this harp that that that, that was hanging, and therefore uh, the wind came and blew the harp, and it woke it up. So Rashi says, right, that he put it, he put this harp facing north, and once it came midnight, the, the north wind came, and this is referring to the Talmudic passage in Baba Basra that says, There are four winds that blow each day. The first six days there's the eastern wind, from the path of the sun, the last days is a Ruach Dromas, is a southern wind, there's a western wind, now the the interesting question over here, obviously, right, is that you know it's hard to believe that this is a precise indicator of midnight because even if the northern wind begins to blow at this point, so um, you know it. So then, by the time it gets to David and blows and he wakes up, this is not exactly midnight. So once we're saying that this is not precisely midnight, then the question, you know, comparing him to 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 Moshe. Is very challenging. So th- this question is is uh, a little bit challenging. Okay, so let's continue in the Gemara. The Gemara says, so he would wake up and once the morning star came up, the the rabbis would come in, Amrulo, and they would tell him, or they have told him once or twice, the Jewish people require sustenance. They need a stimulus package. Amr Lahem, he said to them, Let them go and let them derive um, sustenance one one from uh, one from the other. Meaning, either either there's some commentaries who explain that he's talking about giving charity. That if they need charity, why aren't the wealthy um, why aren't uh, the wealthy feeding feeding the poor? Or you know why why aren't we able to be self-sustaining? Amrulali said to me, "Nakomet must be a single handful of food does not satisfy a lion." And then they said, "Vein smali and a pit does not really fill up from now." Chuyosav, there's two opinions. Rashi says it means that when you dig the dirt out of a pit and you pile it up, you cannot really fill back the pit again because there's some. There's some stuff missing from it, you know, when you try to, you know, put the dirt back in the pit. Tosfa says it's referring to water, that if you, you, you know, you're not going to have enough water come out from the bottom of a pit to fill the pit. You'll have to, if you want to fill the pit, you'll have to bring water from, from elsewhere. So there's a, there's a discussion about this analogy. So too with uh, regards to the comets being, you know, satisfying, satisfying the, the lion that, um, you know, what does this mean? So the Ritva writes over here 
that uh, the reason why he's talking about a lion is because when a lion is hungry, he just eats quickly and doesn't, you know, doesn't just, 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 just swallows very, very fast. The, the, the Marsha writes a very interesting thing. He says that it's actually in uh, Sanhedrin, the Marsha writes that what this discussion over here is, what their debate is, is that David's telling them, you know, we have enough food for, for everyone to have the basics, you know, bread and water, they could, they could satisfy. And the Chacham tell them that, you know, the poor people, this is not going to satisfy the poor people. They, even though they're poor, they, they want the finer things in life. They want basar, they want, they want to live normal lives. And they're not, you know, satisfied with just being given the minimum. And that's what they're saying. Ein masmali, you know, masmali esari, that they have larger expectations than just, you know, bread and water. And, and this is something which the rich, you know, are not wealthy enough to uh, provide. And similarly, with this pit, right, the idea is, is that, you know, just moving the same dirt around with it, you know, with the inefficiencies of their market economy or whatever, right, is not going, you know, just shifting money from one side to the other is not really going to satisfy. We know it's not about how you slice the pie. We need a, a larger pie is what they're telling you. Okay, so, you know, how do they improve their economy in the good old days? So David tells them, um, go and take up, you know, pick up your weapons and get ready for battle in order to expand our boundaries to increase our economic opportunity. Okay. So the sages will right away go talk to Achitofel. They would go talk to Sanhedrin. They would ask the Urim Vitumim and they would decide whether or not it was permissible for them to go to war. They would have to ask the Urim Vitumim both whether or not they would succeed, but also because um, since it was a Melchemes Roshos, it was a voluntary war, they actually need the permission of the Melech, which they got from David, they need the permission of the Sanhedrin, which they got from the Sanhedrin, and they and they, and they they need the Urim Vitumim. Rashi actually says over here that uh, when it's it's the Melech and the Sanhedrin, they ask the Sanhedrin, it was Notal and Mehem Roshos, that they would ask the Sanhedrin seemingly only um, if, you know, for them, for the Sanhedrin to daven for them to win. And the Urim Vitubim, they were asked whether or not they would be successful. And this is relevant to modern times, whether or not we have a right to have a Mohammed for Shos, because the Rambam writes that you need these three conditions, you know, Melech, Sanhedrin, Urim Vitubim. But if you understand, like Rashi, that the Urim Vitubim and Sanhedrin were just kind of improve their chances, so it could be Melech is enough, and then there's a discussion about whether or not uh, the um, uh, a government can constitute a Melech if they have absolute power. Okay, so the Gemara continues, and the Gemara says, "Amr Rabbi Yosef, my crow, what is the, what is this verse?" What it says that after Achitofel, there was uh, Yehoyada, the son of Benyahu. Right, Ben Yehu Ben Ben Yoyada. Right, so Ben Yehu, the son of Yehoyada, and of Yasser Vesartzava Lamalchiyavav, and there was Yasser, and who was a general, um, and uh, and also there was there was uh, Yoav. Achitofel is Zayoetz. He was the one who gave advice. He was the advisor, as it says. That Achitofel was somebody who was who who would give counsel in those days. Uh, ben Ben Yoyada was the Sanhedrin. He was the head of the Sanhedrin. Be'ev Yasar, and when it says Ev Yasar, who was referring to the to the Kohen Gadol, this was um, 
the Urim Vatumim. Rashi says, Shakalya may David Hay Nishab Yasar Al Muhammad Sav Shalom, Shashalav Yasar Vali Alsalo, Vishal Sadak for Alsalo, Kidama Bersader Olam and the Salak Azmanakahuna, that David had a bad experience with Ev Yasar when during during the rebellion of his son of Shalom, and that's when he switched uh um uh Kohanim Gidolim. But um practically speaking, right, so Evyasar Evyasar was the was the Urvatumim. And so it says, He would ask on the on the crazy and placey. Why does Sanhedrin called crazy or placey? Crazy crazy because they are very precise and decisive in their words. and they're called placey because they are they would say kind of very deep and wondrous things. And afterwards, Sart Sabala Melech Yayav, they would ask Yayav. Um uh and and they would ask Yayav, who was the general, to get the military ready. Okay, we are now on 4A on the top. We are gonna continue with this hopefully soon. Um and you know, please try to get to the bottom of 4A as soon as you can. Okay, have a good night.